Hello, all, and welcome back to the Three Got Game Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today uh, we got another special guest, uh, along with my other two co-hosts, Matt and G. We have Matt's dad, Rob. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm feeling a lot better than I felt on Sunday, but um, but I was going to come in here making a joke about why I shouldn't be here, but... But since the Red Sox won yesterday, I'm excited <laughs> to be here and can't wait to jump into it. Definitely, definitely. Gee, how you doing today? Um, good, good. You know, another, uh, you know, another good sports week. Glad the Packers won. We had some injuries and uh, had my hopes up again. Gilmore, that was immediately dashed. Matt, I should have listened to you. I don't know why I get my hopes up. You're always right when you tell me these things, <laughs> but I don't listen to you. But, uh, you know, good week. Right about everything, G. (laughs) Let me know the lot of numbers, too, when we're done, all right? (laughs) All right. And, Rob, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys, uh, for having me back. Looking forward to uh, chatting with you guys. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, always. Um, Well, let's see. This week, this past weekend, uh, my varsity football team won, my fantasy team won, and the Jets won. So... Yeah, so that's always good. All right, guys, let's hop into it. Um, so first we start off with uh, discussing how our teams went. Um, I'm going to let uh, Matt go first with the Patriots versus the Bucks. Yeah, so this is going to be a topic for me and my dad, Rob, because he's a Patriots fan as well. But I thought, I thought the game was very sloppy. Like, obviously, the weather didn't help. It was pouring rain most of the game. Um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of penalties, a lot of incomplete passes. Um, I thought Mac Jones played good. Uh, he, he did throw an Aaron interception, but, um, but I felt like that was more of a punt than anything else. And, uh, and I do have to say though, despite Tampa Bay losing all three of their starting cornerbacks, Brady not looking good. Like he missed a lot of open guys, and the Tampa receivers dropping many passes. I just felt this was a game that the Patriots had. Like this was supposed to be their game to steal, and uh, and even on Tampa's absolute worst day, like they just somehow couldn't win, and that kind of concerns me a little bit because you saw Brady. He was. 22 for 43 with 269 yards. You're not going to get him playing that bad. No, you won't. You know. And and their their best performance came from their running back, Larry Fournette, who rushed 92 yards on 20 carries. But, um, but yeah, yeah, Buccaneers only scored one touchdown. Rest were from field goals. And uh, and I don't know what you guys think of this, but – I think on that last field goal when it was fourth and three, Belichick should have gone gotta, for it. Gotta go yeah. for it. Yeah, I think I think with uh with the weather conditions, the field goal being fifty six yards and and the fact that Nick Folk like had an injured plant leg, like the odds of him making that field goal were not were not great. And even if he does make it, like you're giving Brady a minute left and two timeouts, two timeouts. to to bring the ball to Get into field goal range, so which is like ninety percent chance he's gonna get it. <laughs> like 90%. yeah, exactly. Even even so, as as poorly as he played, there's like a ninety percent chance he's gonna get you in range. 
Uh, yeah, so. that that whole thing just didn't make sense to me. I thought I thought while Belichick coached an unbelievable game, that might have been the only mistake he made. And, yes. And unfortunately, it it did cost us a game. But um, but yeah, now the Patriots are one and three. Obviously, they'll they'll beat the Texans, Jets, and Jaguars, and uh, maybe the Falcons. But after that, like, I don't think they're favored in any other games. So this okay. this looks to be a six to seven win team, man. And I think at this point, like at at the one three the record, I just think they gotta let Mac Jones develop, like. They got, they got to make, let him make mistakes. Like let him learn from it. Like let him, let him take some risks. So, so like I know what you really think of it, but obviously it was disappointing. But, but at the same time, like, like I am a Brady fan as well. But and I was happy to see that he got the reception he deserves in New England. So I was happy that he won, but, but at the same time, like, I thought this was a game that Pat should have stolen. You got anything to say on top of that, Rob? Yeah, so that's a good summary, Matt. Um, so it was a bitter, bittersweet game, right? If you're a lifelong or certainly, you know, a Patriots fan for the last 20 years, it was very bittersweet. You know, a guy who's led us on the field for many years now coming back. So so that was, that was difficult. Um, I thought to echo what you said, Matt, I thought Belichick's game plan was really well thought out. Uh, you know, make make you know, stay, you know, be have sort of a patient defense. You know, a lot of a lot of deep cover stuff. Try and jam the guys at the line. You know, it was it was a, it was a really smart, um, a really smart game plan, which I think the Patriots executed really well. Um, and to your point, I think they did have a chance late to steal the game. I thought. You know, totally agree. Really thought they should have gone for it. I think all the analytics said they should go for it. Um, much higher chance of converting a fourth and three than him hitting a 56-yard field goal in the rain with an injured leg. And, you of course, have that secondary risk of Brady getting the ball back, which is, you know, can be, can be pretty tricky. Um, I think of concern for me, um, and I hear what you're saying about letting Mac Jones develop. The problem is uh, I, very hard for the quarterback to develop when the offensive line is just breaking down. And I don't think they can protect him. So some of the things you might, you know, everyone's big hang up on Mac Jones is can he, can he, can he throw the ball downfield? We know he's great. He's accurate. He, he can throw the short yardage, the crossers. But can he, get the, can he push the ball down the field? And I don't think they're in a position to really test that right now because their offensive line is in shambles. This team was supposed to be built on run the football, defend the run, control the clock, you know, win, win 17, 14, win 21, 17. And they're, you know, now with their line, with the poor play and now the injuries and some of the COVID stuff, um, I think they're in a really tough spot. So I agree with you, Matt. I think, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, I thought maybe they were a nine-win team, and I've sort of dialed it back to six or seven. And I really don't – I don't think any win uh, – any any team on their schedule at this point is a lock. I just – I don't think they're good enough to say, yeah, they're, they're going to win this week. I think they're – you know, they're in for a long season. And uh, hopefully, you know, they'll get the benefits of Mac developing and 
some of these other young players developing, but I think they're in for a long season. Yeah, and uh, I just want to throw throw this in. Uh, the Patriots did trade Steph the Panthers for a six-round pick. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he went through like contract issues. Like The Patriots weren't willing to give him a new deal, so like he and Gilmore and his agent weren't happy with it, and it just yeah. sounded like he wanted out. Yeah, and without without getting too much into the weeds on it, I and going back in you know revisionist history, I think it was really badly mismanaged by the Patriots. Really, the play here was probably at the beginning of last season to do something with Gilmore. He made he had made his he had made it clear he wasn't going to play. You know, he wasn't going to play for a, a lower contract in twenty twenty one. You didn't have anything really to play with play for last year. Um, you could have gotten a, a probably a reasonably high draft pick last year, and instead, you're basically getting really effectively nothing for him. And uh, so, I think the badly, badly uh, mismanaged situation on the part of the Patriots front office. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, now, though, I don't think it's a major loss for the Patriots. Like, but I think their secondary should be okay. But obviously, like. You'd like a guy like Gilmore, like a dependable corner, especially on the other side of JC. But but if he's not willing to play unless he gets a new contract, yeah, then I, I, you... I agree, Matt. And I'll, I'll sort of end on this because I don't want to spend too much time on Stephon Gilmore. But yeah, I think if, if you know, you add Gilmore to the current Patriots, that's a nice piece, right? That's going to make your defense that much better. Yeah. But I don't think it changes the trajectory of your season. Um, so, you know, um, you know, I, I, it's it's a bit of a non-issue for this year. It's really the fact that they didn't get something back, something to build on. You know, a second-round pick would look really nice right about now. On um, real quick, I just want to add: you guys did bring back Jamie Collins for whatever that's worth. And with the Gilmore thing, I definitely agree with you both. I also am not too shocked. I mean, we all know Belichick, no matter who it is, is going to get rid of a player a year too early rather than a year too late. He's not been a guy to keep aging players and high prices around too long. I definitely think he mismanaged it, but I'm not shocked that he ultimately decided to trade him or whatever. I just thought he should have done it at a different time. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, I don't I, – I, I completely agree with that, that, that he wasn't going to sign him long term. Yes. And that's not unusual for Belichick. And with that as a backdrop, he probably should have just done something earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I try to catch every game, but I don't. So, I mean, I watched the highlights of some games. So I watched the highlights of the Buccaneers and Patriots game. I think Mac played a well, he played a pretty well game, but um, just some of the throws I see, it's just, uh, it just doesn't look like he's like making the reads that he needs to make. He just, dump it off the running back or he's just hitting his first down his first read. So uh, I want to, like, like you said, Rob, I want to see him like develop, but like you said, the the line uh, needs to improve too. So, uh, but just seeing from a quarterback perspective, like he's doing well, but uh, yeah, he does need to like let it loose, I guess, or the Patriots need to let him let it loose. Yeah, I got, I got a develop. lot of thoughts on that. I'm going to say if I do the Patriots bucks topic. <laughs> All right. But, gee, how about you? How was your uh, Packers to Pittsburgh game? Uh, always happy to get a dub. Um, the caveat is, you know, we lost 
another high-profile player, probably to, in my opinion, the most important player on our team after Aaron Rodgers and Jair Alexander. Um, you know, fourth quarter, I, it was a basic tackle. I got news today that he could miss a week or he could miss the season. You know, there if he needs surgery, he's done. So, you know, with that looming, I'm a little upset we missed it on Gilmore. But um, I thought that um, after the first drive, our defense settled in. You know, I didn't like seeing them give up a touchdown drive, opening drive to Big Ben, who's a shell of himself. But, you know, defense settled in. They played well. Um, I thought Rodgers was a little inconsistent. You know, I know he had two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, but he's missed on throws that he normally typically makes. He was uh, kind of scattershot at times, you know, throws that, you know, he usually makes. I know he had a deep seam route to Tanya. He left a little too much air under the ball. Um, I think he missed like a corner route or two. Just He just seemed a little off, but overall he played, he played solid, but, you know, not – Typically, you know, the Aaron Rodgers accuracy that you normally see. But it was enough to get it done. You know, he gave us a good cushion. Um, I'm really, really impressed um, with our offensive line. I mean, we went up against two elite pass rushes, and I'm pretty sure we've, in each game against the Niners and the, and the, and the Steelers, two sacks apiece, considering we're missing uh, Bakhtiari, and Elgin Jenkins, who, in my opinion, to me, is our best offensive lineman, as people might be surprised, just because he's so versatile and can play all across the line. Him being out, um, you know, we're still working in the rookie center. I mean, we were basically from last year, we have three new starters, and the line has been more than adequate. So, you know, that is something I watch, and that's something um, I'm happy about. And Aaron Jones, um, a little bit off. He dropped a touchdown pass that Aaron Rodgers gave him, a beautiful back shoulder in the end zone. Catch that. You know, I know he's a running back, but I've seen him make that catch so many times before, and then he fumbled later in the game. Cost me my fantasy game. If he didn't fumble, i win my week. You know, shout out to Austin Eckler. Monday night, I was up by 26, and he just dashed my hope by scoring 28 against me. Thank you, Austin Eckler. But um, otherwise, you know, satisfied. Offense played well. Eric Stokes, real quick. I'm done with this topic after this. Uh, The kid is... He can play. He got his first career interception. Um, he's a good physical corner. He's fast. He, every week it just seems like he's getting better. And that's something I'm optimistic about in the secondary. You know, I hope Jair's injury isn't serious and, or, or he can come back at some point. I think that's a good tandem to have, you know, if we're going to make a playoff push. So I love it. You know, hopefully all the guys get healthy and we can make a run later on. Well, you always have Kevin King give Jair's out. So. Man, okay, man. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's hop into my game. The Jets finally get the, the dub, which is great. Um, uh, I saw some really good things. It's, it's great to see a young quarterback uh, like kind of like step up and see him play well. Um, I did with a little – like worried when he threw that pick the his like the first or second drive I was like ah oh, here we go <laughs> but uh he picked it up and uh we got the dub I was really impressed by the Jets defense getting to uh, Tannehill seven times mm-hmm. uh it was good to see that cuz over the past couple of years uh, I haven't seen that from our Jets uh defensive rush um but 
with that being said, they still need to improve because uh, Tannehill didn't have his top two receivers, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, and he still threw for, what, 298, I think it was? Yeah, 298 yeah. and a touchdown. <laughs> so, and Derrick Henry still ran the ball for 157 yards. Um, but it was a battle. We got lucky on that uh, overtime field goal. Um, luckily, Ryan Bull missed. But um, there's a lot of negatives and positives to pull away. Um, I think what is that, you know, we just got to take the positives, look at that, and then uh, move on to London for the Falcons and look to get another win. Um, and then, could be two in a row, man. Yeah, it could be. Um, hey, but, yeah, it's yeah, a win this- to win. You have the same record as the Patriots right now, so we're right in the bottom. We're right in the bottom with you guys. I think you uh, and the Dolphins too, right? All one and three. Yeah, yeah. All we're all one, one and three. three. All one and three. I know. And the Bills yeah. are just running away with it. Yeah, what they did to Houston was uh, atrocious. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, other than the Jets, let's hop into our uh, the game that we saw most interesting or that caught our eye. Um, G, we'll start with you. I'm going to go with Patriots-Bucks. I didn't want to jump in too much when you guys were talking about it because that game was interesting to me for a multitude of reasons. I know like 95% of America, including yours truly, thought that the Bucks were just going to route them. You know, uh, Patriots offense. Matt, I remember telling you that um, I think the last episode I told you that the Patriots offense doesn't match up well with the Bucks defense because you guys are a running team, kind of like you want to play um, to the run game to help your quarterback. And, you know, as you know, like the last two, three years, the Bucks' run defense has been like the top of the league. They're but when insane. the Bucks, But when the Bucks lose their top three cornerbacks, like that just changes everything. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, at the end of the game, remember, you had eight carries for negative one yard. So definitely couldn't run the ball. And to the Patriots' credit, they didn't try to. They said, F it. You know what? We're going to – the short passing game is going to be our run game. That's basically how they treated it. Um I was shocked, although maybe I shouldn't have been. Um, there were murmurs of people, you know, I would watch sportscasters talk about, oh, maybe Tom Brady will be a little jittery coming back. And I'm just like, the guy's played in 10 Super Bowls. He doesn't get nervous. You know what I mean? I remember the first drive, the first throw he made was just overshooting a guy over the middle. And I was like, wow, is this dude really like being back here? It's really like, it, it's something to him. Like he's really like needs to settle in. And, um, Matt, you mentioned it before. The Bucks receivers didn't do him any favors. You know, there were a couple of ill-timed drops. But I'm not worried about Tom. Usually every great quarterback every year has, like, one or two, like, stinkers, you know, in the year. It's pretty normal. Um, I definitely thought you could attribute it to him being back home. You know, definitely uh, seemed like maybe he wanted it so much that it kind of, like, he was a little, like, too exuberant, too energetic. Um Missed a lot of throws that he normally made. I want to give I'm going to give credit to your defense, but I also thought that Brady missed some throws too when guys were open. I like, agree. You know, the Patriots did play well defensively, but there were some throws that were just flat out kind of missed. That if they make them, you know, if they make catches are made or throws are made, you know, maybe it's not 1917. It's probably like you know 27, 28. You know, but overall, you know, I'll give Belichick a lot of credit. Uh, he schemed up a great game plan. You know, it was a really good chess match. Um, one thing I did learn is that. A uh, player and a coach going head to head. I learned that I think a coach has an advantage because as a player, it's harder to change your tendencies and what you like 
Whereas a coach, you can change your scheme. <laughs> you know, if a player if a player is used to seeing a scheme, you know, as a coach, you can be like, well, you know, Tom's been around me for twenty years. I'm gonna do something completely different, and I don't want him to anticipate my defense at all. And I feel like maybe Belichick threw some wrinkles that Tom wasn't familiar with that he used to run. Not that he's not familiar because he's seen everything, but just like something that Bill doesn't typically do at a time. You know, different. Uh, types of three-man rushes, four-man rushes, five-man rushes. Um, but, you know, I'll give Bill a lot of credit. He schemed up a great game. Um, but two things. One, that he did wrong to me, not going for it on fourth down. And I thought it was actually apropos to how he ran the offense, sadly. Because if you looked at the way the offense is running, I definitely agree that, you know, your offensive line, you know, Trent Brown being out and, and not being as strong, especially against that ferocious pass rush. You want to help your quarterback. But even the game, Matt Jones looked impressive. 19 straight completions is nothing to sneeze at. I think the kid, you know, is going to be a solid quarterback, and I think he's getting better each game. But there was no I – don't, I don't remember him seeing push the ball 20 yards downfield at all in that game. Everything was very uh, quick, safe, which is fine. You want to help your quarterback. And, um, and it worked for the most part. I mean, the fumble you guys had. Um, yep, J.J. Taylor. J.J. Taylor was absolutely crucial. That could have been points. That could have been a deciding factor. Um, good teams find a way to win when they play bad. And average to bad teams, they usually find a way to give away games. And like, No offense, guys. It's kind of what we saw. You know, you had two, you know, I know the arm punt, but you had the J.J. Taylor fumble and Matt Slater not coming back in bounds after he forced the fumble. When you guys recovered it, you know, they flagged him from unsportsmanlike conduct. If he just came back in bounds willingly, that's another turnover you possibly could have. So a couple of mental errors, you know, kind of threw you guys off. But um, not going for a fourth down kind of let me know that they don't quite trust Mac Jones to get it, which is disappointing because if you're not going to trust him with a beat-up secondary like that and Richard Sherman, who has who just came on the team, and isn't in football shape. When are you going to trust him? You know, fourth and three, 56-yard field goal in the rain. Matt, you mentioned it. Nick Folk's plant leg being injured is a big deal. People might not think of it, but, you know, uh, Rob, as you know, playing soccer, if you want to kick a ball and your plant leg's screwed, you're not going to have as much power into it than you are if it's healthy. So, you know, definitely uh, – something they should have considered when uh, sending his kicker out in a 56-yard monsoon. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I just think that you got to let the kid win the game for you because what are you going to do if he, if, he, if, he, if you make the kick? You give Tom Brady the ball back for 55 seconds and two timeouts. Like, that's an eternity. I don't care how bad he's playing or, or what's been going on. You don't give uh, – that guy, that ball. I mean, a part of me, and you guys jump in if you if you think this. I had a crazy weird theory that just spun in my head the other day. Do you think Belichick, like, sent Nick Folk out there and is like, all right, if he makes this kick, I actually want my defense to stop him, to stop Tom Brady and, and just end the game like that instead of just, like, getting Mac Jones, get a first down and kicking it without giving the ball back. Like, do you think he has that kind of ego? that he would send Nick Folk out there because he wants him to kick it and make it so that Tom Brady can get a chance to win and that his defensive, quote-unquote, mastery would just shut him down. Like, I, I, I thought about it. I was like, it wouldn't, like, 
surprised me in the least, which is terrible. Like you don't want to, I mean, you don't want to let your ego, this is all speculation because I don't think a coach should let their ego get in the way of a, of a win. But like, I just like randomly thought of that. Like, what do you guys think? You think I'm nuts on that or I, I don't, I, well, I think it's a, it's a great theory. Do I think it actually happened? Probably no. not. Yeah. Um, I do think he's got that size ego, but I don't think yeah. <laughs> it, it was in play on that on that particular circumstance. I, what I do think was in play was, well, if we if if I send my kicker out and he misses and I lose the game, you know, the fingers pointed at me and the kicker. If I if I put the ball in Mac Jones's hands and he throws an incomplete or gets another pass block like and they and they were struggling on third on third down so yes. you know fourth downs um and he and he you know doesn't complete a pass or makes a mistake you know everyone's going to be pointing at Mac Jones so do i think that that is more likely his logic that if you made me say other than just hey he made a game time decision and it is what it is Ryan would know this best having played the game you know i I think sometimes we read too much into these decisions. The guy's got, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds to make a call on it. The call. But if you asked me what I, if, if there was some underlying logic, it would be, I want to blame the kicker, not the young quarterback. I didn't even think of that. Honestly, and that's a really good point. I hate myself for my crazy theory crossing my mind and not that more logical one. You're probably right about that. He probably didn't want the quarterback to be faulted if he didn't get it. So, and which worked because everyone talked the next day. What was Belichick thinking? Him and the kicker blowing the game. No, everyone talked about how great Mac Jones looks. So, in theory, if that was his logic, it definitely works. So, you know, Mac Jones looked great. I actually uh, last thought I thought he stood toe to toe with Brady. To me, um, um, the le- the fe- the level of playing field wasn't fair because Brady went against a better defense, but he did to me outplay him considering even though he went against the worst secondary. So I thought Matt, Mac was fine. Um, but I think you're going to have to be more aggressive if you want to win some games. I'm not giving up on you guys yet. I still think you can win like nine games. But uh, my hope is dwindling. So, Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. Um, how about, Rob, we'll start with you next. Uh, what was your game that caught your eye? This will be relatively quick because I didn't really yeah. get a chance to watch this game. But No worries. Um, the, um, really, it was the Carolina-Dallas game. And the reason I picked that game was, you know, Dallas is always right, always in the headlines. Everyone, you know, every year, you know, they're, they're you know, is Dallas going to contend? This is the year. They're coming back this year. And, of course, Carolina has gotten off to a hot start. I think you've got a great underlying story. Was it Sam Darnold or was it bad coaching in New York? You know, what what really was the whole thing there? And, I, you know, I think for me, um, you know, I'm starting to be a believer in Dallas. Um, I think that, obviously, they can run the football. And I don't know where Carolina ultimately will stack up run defense-wise. Is that a – is that something that, you know, it's going to turn out they're not a great run defending team, but, you know, they, you know, Dallas basically ran the ball down their throats. Um, you know, Dak played, you know, pretty much a flawless game. They've got the great receivers in it. And I, I think other than the free agent signings and you can, you know, you can sort of pick them apart. What's been a good free agent signing. I think the most important off season non you know head coach or high draft pick 
was Dan Quinn going to going to the Cowboys. I think he is a top flight defensive coordinator. You know, he won in Seattle. He was, you know, stupid decisions away from winning a Super Bowl in Atlanta with a great <laughs> fast defense. And just look at the way Dallas plays. I mean, what does that remind you of? It reminds you of the Seattle defense. It reminds you of the Atlanta playing very fast. Guys fly to the ball. So I'm. that game was particularly interesting for me because it's really solidifying in a weak NFC East. When I went back and I looked at Dallas's schedule, I think they've got at least seven or eight very winnable games left on that schedule, including against my Patriots in New England. Two weeks. Dallas will be favored. Um, so I, that, that's why I found that game uh, interesting. And I, I'm not ready to say, you know, say it's an indictment on North uh, or excuse me, on Carolina. It's more of a, you know, a positive for the Cowboys. But I did, I did find it interesting that, you know, I think, I think Darnold threw a couple of picks, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess one of them was late. I think he's, you know, trying to come back. But um, I'll be curious to see, you know, how each team sort of moves on now after that game. Yeah. And Carolina has some offensive line issues too. So it doesn't help that Darnold can be a little scattershot when he has pressure. So, you know, they're going to have to – he's going to have to figure that out. Yeah, and I've been raving about this – since the beginning of the year, but those two young guys, Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, like they look elite, especially, I mean, it looks like from what I'm hearing, like Trayvon Diggs is in the, in the lead for defensive player of the year from what, what he's done so far. Yeah. He's got five picks in four. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then Micah Parsons, like he can just play everywhere on the field and he's everywhere when he's, like, he's just a ball hawk. Like, he just knows where he the was, ball is. He was my single favorite player coming out of the draft. Just yeah. loved him. Um, I think he will. he's going to be a terrific player. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Matt, how about you? What's your uh, game that caught your eye? Uh, the game that caught my eye, and I'll make this pretty quick. I am going with the Giants and Saints. The Giants won their first game of the year, and I got to give – Daniel Jones credit where credit is due. He balled out at 402 yards, two touchdowns. And, uh, and I know I've been – I'm considered the president of the Daniel Jones hate club. I'm the vice president, <laughs> don't worry. I'm, yeah, geez, the vice president with me. I know I'm talking about like how they acquired all those receivers to, to make plays when Daniel Jones turns it over to tackle the defensive player and all that, but – but at least for this game, like, he proved me wrong. He bought out against a very good defense. And what's so weird to me is if you looked at the box score, and I didn't watch too much of a game, so I can't, I can't go into too much depth about it, but, like, it looked like Winston was pretty efficient. Like, he was 17 for 23 for 226 yards, and Kamara had, uh, had 120 yards rushing. And uh, they scored three touchdowns in – Still lost, so so like that was that was just the only thing that that was weird to me. But I thought I think the other thing that I was watching, you know, obviously the Giants were missing a couple of receivers. Yeah, Darius Slayton and uh, Sterling Shepard. Slayton and Shepard, but this kid, uh, Kadarius Tony. Yeah. um, Mm, You know he he's had he's got he's 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 hard to handle. There's a lot to handling him. He's been in the media bay, you know, he had the thing with the cleats early in the, I think in the preseason and yeah. 
Uh, he's been on and off the field. But let me tell you, when that guy's on the field, he can play. And he brings a different element to that offense, too. It really, really does. Because if you think about it, you're seeing the Saquon is getting healthy. And, and look, we, we've we all – I think most folks have the same sort of view of Saquon. Probably drafted him too high. You don't draft a running back that high. But he is a magnificent talent. And, you know, so you've got a, you know, uber-talented running back. You've got the quick slot guy. You've got Galladay who's, you know, uh, he's – I wouldn't put him in the – upper elite receivers, but he's a very consistent, great high point the ball receiver. And you got a couple of other guys, you know, with Slayton who's a deep threat, Shepard who's a possession guy. That that team, you know, they if Daniel Jones, you know, will just, you know, not lose games, I think they're gonna be you know, they'll be competitive and and they have been competitive so far, but they'll they'll have a chance to win some games, especially in that division. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They made some big plays as well. I think he had a long touchdown pass to John Ross. And uh, Saquon yeah. had a big uh, big uh, pass catching play. So they had a couple big plays. I think that was a determining factor. But, um, and I, I think you'll see their D coordinator, this guy Patrick Graham, I think you'll see him on many uh, short lists um, next year when there's coaching openings. I think. He's a Agreed. top flight, uh, top flight coordinator and a good head coaching candidate. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I give the Daniel Jones and credit where credit's due. They did it against a great defense, and and yeah, see what happens moving forward. Yep, uh, I was gonna say John Ross was there. I was like, oh, he ended up in the Giants. I mean, that's a good receiver too. He was you know, one of the fastest receivers coming out of college. So good for him. Um, my game of the week, uh, or caught my eye was uh the Cardinals and Rams uh two two top uh NFC West teams both three and uh playing at LA too uh it was again a, a game you didn't want you didn't want to miss especially with Arizona and Kyler Murray playing like again explosive they're passing the ball he had a great game two touchdowns 268 uh then you have Chase Edmonds and James Conner run the ball like uh, 120 for Edmonds and Connor had 50. Uh, of course, I didn't catch the whole game. I only caught the highlights. But, uh, again, exciting to see. And, and, again, they did it against a great defense. Or it wasn't just an average season. It was a great defense. Uh, but, man, uh, I mean, you know, Cardinals had this uh, start, this hot start last, uh, last year. Hopefully they can uh, pick it up and, and keep that same pace uh, this year. Uh, I think they can. I think they have all the pieces that they uh, they need. Um, it was also good to see, like, A.J. Green have a good game. Um, you know, I had him on fantasy, though, so that helped a little bit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I think at the quarter poll, I mean, I think Murray's, you know, he's he's got to be the favorite right now for MVP. And I Probably yeah. last year he was in the top two or three at the quarter yeah, pole. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the question for him is, can he, you know, play? Because he plays a high risk style, right? He's he's running around. He's just unbelievable athlete yeah. with a you know great arm. But he plays sort of a high risk style. Can he do that and not make mistakes? And you know, it's an yeah. incredibly competitive division. So you you can't you know you can't make a lot of mistakes without and, it really costing your team. And the other thing with him too, because he's a small guy, can he is he going to be able to be durable? Yeah, right. I think last year that was one of the issues, right, Matt? Yeah, he, 
he definitely lost his legs. I can't remember whether it was a hammy or an ankle or a knee tweak, but he, he I remember he had some lower leg stuff and he was not the same player. Yeah. But do you guys see that uh third and sixteen conversion he had? Oh my god. Oh dude, yeah. Yeah. He is lightning. He is, he is quick. so quick off the line. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Rams didn't play a bad game. Uh, they just didn't play enough to win the game. So um, They came out but, flat. I think yeah. they were yeah, I think a tough game. tough game to come after. Yeah. 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 But I'm sure they'll bounce back. All right, guys. Moving on to next week's game. So what's your uh, most intriguing game of next week? Uh, we'll start with you, Rob. Um. Sure. So mine is it's it's really about more of an individual player. Um, so I've I've picked Green Bay uh, versus the Bengals. I, I'm not look. The Bengals are off to a three and one start. You know I, I'm not sold that the Bengals are you know are a meaningful contender. We'll see. You know again it's it's the quarter poll. So let's let's see how that goes. But you know I've I've watched football for a really long time and. You know, and you always hear comparisons of guys from the past to the present. You know, that's just sports, right? You hear that. Yeah. And, you know, Joe Burrow, well, there's been many comparisons to Joe Montana over the years. And I, I think the first guy that I've actually seen where I can buy a little bit into that hype is Joe Burrow. He reminds me so much of Montana. And they share the same first name. Yeah, and there you go. And they got the same <laughs> name. But that, you know... Montana was a very underrated athlete. He was, he was actually very quick. He had great feet. He was actually a point guard in basketball, deadly accurate, uh, you know, obviously really smart. And Burrow, I think, actually has a better arm than Montana did. Um, and, you know, you're seeing he's got a few weapons. Um, he's just playing great football. Look, he, he beat the Jaguars last week, so let's not get crazy. So I thought, you know, it's the Packers – they're, they may be down, depending on what happens with some of the injuries. They may be down some players. So that may not even be a great barometer. But I thought, okay, you're playing a playoff caliber team. I think the game's in Lambeau. Um, no, it's in Cincinnati. It's, it's in, oh, it is in Cincinnati. But okay, going so. up against the reigning MVP. But, but That's going a- up against a real team. Um, so I'll be really curious to see how he plays and see if he continues. And they've got He's got a nice cadre of weapons there. You know, Mixon's a good running back. I think he's a little dinged up, but yeah. but uh, three very good receivers, yeah, a couple serviceable tight ends, lines iffy. But um, so I think um, I'll be really curious to see how Burrow does. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's head over to G. What are you? What's your most interesting game next week? Um, or this week? Sorry, I was. 50-50 on the Rams-Seahawks, which is the Thursday night game, and uh, Bills and Chiefs. And I'm going to go with Bills and Chiefs because um, Kansas City's 2-2, two and two, you know, and everyone – and they're like mother pretty much. Everyone their mother, that saying, pretty much had Mahomes as, you know, the top quarterback this year, and the guy's playing fantastic. He's got 14 touchdowns to four picks. He's well ahead on the passing touchdown list. Uh, ahead of the field, but yet the Chiefs sit at 2-2. Two and two. And they're going to play a really, really hot and confident Bills team who back-to-back weeks absolutely annihilated both their opponents, albeit weaker opponents, but annihilated them nonetheless. Um, 
the Bills lost them in the AFC Championship game. I do think that if the Chiefs drop this game, we're going to have to start being concerned about them. I mean, that defense, they're very, very, very susceptible to pretty much anything. And um, as much as I wanted Green Bay to, like, get Gilmore, they should have been on the phone with New England themselves getting another corner, getting another person to help out that defense. Because, I mean, they just gave up 400 yards, I think, of offense or passing yards almost and 30 points to the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. You got Josh Allen rolling to town with Stephon Diggs and that offensive squad. And what do you think they're going to do? I'm not saying they'll lose or win that game, but we're going to see if there's going to be like a dynamic shift. If Buffalo goes in and beats them, there's going to be talk more about Buffalo being the cream of the crop of the AFC and not Kansas City like how it's been the last, you know, two, three years. You know, the Chiefs will be two and three if they lose, and there's going to be a lot of questions. So I'm curious to see if the Chiefs can kind of silence their doubters a little bit with how weak that defensive side of the ball is. They can come out and answer and beat a really good Buffalo Bills team. Then, you know, maybe they won't, there won't be as many skeptics. So I'm looking to see if they can come out, have a strong performance all around, and, you know, win a game that, they sh- that could get them over 500. I can't believe I'm saying that, you know, week five of the season. So, so. I, I, I think that's a great game to pick, G. Uh, yeah. I, I look at it actually just slightly differently. I think it's a bigger game for Buffalo because, you know, Kansas City, they've been to a Super Bowl. They've won a Super Bowl. So, you know, yeah. you know, multiple Super Bowls now. Mahomes is already established. He's an MVP. He's a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Buffalo has got to win, you know, that big game. So I, I think this is a statement game for Buffalo. You're going into Kansas City. They're a wounded bear. Um, I, I think Buffalo needs to win this game. I think if Buffalo loses this game, um, I'm not saying their season's over and they can't come back yeah. in the AFC. I get all that. I don't want to be melodramatic. But I, I, I think it it casts a big shadow on them. I get it. It's almost like a big brother, little brother thing. Yes. Yeah. At some point you got to play your big brother on the pavement in one-on-one and you know, you got to, you actually got to outscore him. Like the Ravens did early in the year. Remember that, that Lamar couldn't beat Mahomes. Yep. Finally got it done. And look at that. They're really, really important for a team psyche. Yeah. And they propelled them. Now they're three and one after starting on one. So I think they started on one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you that, actually. That's that's a great way to look at it. I mean, Buffalo losing previous years, the Chiefs, regular season, AFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, sure. I definitely I – I think it would be a huge confidence booster for them, especially in the playoffs. So, agreed. Yep. Um, moving on, we'll go to uh, my interesting game next um, for this week. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – like a, a – you know, it's a it's an okay matchup. Uh, I feel like the it's the Saints and the Washington football team. Um, let's see, they're both two and two. Um, I think Washington's turning some heads with T- Taylor Heineke. Um, I think he he played very well last weekend, Atlanta. But um, some of those throws I thought he made were like, oh, you made that throw. Oh, you got lucky. All right, but um, he's good. I, I don't I don't think he's bad. Um, 
but they've been up and down this year. Um, the only concern I have them about them is their their defense. They've let in they let up a lot of points over the last three games. Um, this defense last year was pretty solid, and now it's not out to be the same as last year. So, like you said, Zichi, I think you said last week or the week before that their secondary is kind of sketchy. Um, but I haven't seen like Chase Young make a big impact. I don't on think he has line. a sack this year. No, I don't think so. It's crazy. No. I mean, that front yeah. four is full of first-round picks that were all practically dominant last year. And so. you're right. That was the backbone of their defense, and they're not performing. Hey, yeah. Dubé plays them in like three weeks. I hope they can stay asleep until <laughs> after that. Then they can do whatever they want. But yeah. I hear you, right. And then uh, the Saints, for them, uh, up and down. They kill the Packers. They lose the Panthers, uh, a big division game. Um, then they beat the Patriots in New England, and then they lose to the Giants. I mean, it's just been up and down roller coaster for them. Uh, I'm not saying that James Winston is the problem. I'm just saying that if they want to win their division or they want to come into the playoffs, they need to start playing a little bit more consistent. Um, but, yeah, that's it should be a good game, I think. I got to be honest with you real quick about the Saints. I'm yeah. starting to think more and more that they're just not that good, yeah. honestly. I mean, I just – I'm looking now, I look back, you know, every year you look at week one and you see, like, anomalies. There were two anomalies in week one, Pittsburgh being Buffalo and the Saints just beating the brakes off of Green Bay. Because even the game against the Patriots, like, they won, but it wasn't really anything they did. Yeah. Lingo was just bad. You know, they haven't all year – like, after that Packers game, they haven't looked impressive. And, like, you know, we talk about – earlier about Mac Jones, you know, having the handcuffs. I mean, Jameis Winston's kind of the same thing. John Payne's really trying to limit him, throwing the ball, and keep that offense really, really vanilla. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I just don't think they're that good, but we're going to find out real soon. You know, I, I think, you know, the Saints last year, I felt like if you took Kamara away and didn't let him just, you know, go nuts. Yeah. Um, you had a really good chance to beat the Saints. I mean, they have a very good defense. It's really, really good. I wouldn't call them great. Yeah. It's a really good defense. They can get after the quarterback. They got some cover guys. Um, but I just – I don't love their explosiveness on offense. I mean, Michael Thomas will come back. He'll help. But they, I, I think they're a couple playmakers away. Um, I think that's really what's plaguing them. Now, maybe, to your point, they take the shackles off Jameis a little – and some guys start to make some plays. But that – they sort of feel to me like, you know, teams kind of have them figured out. Take – you know, just don't let Kamara kill you. Uh, make him, you know, turn the ball up the field on you, and you got a chance to beat them. Yep, sure. definitely. Um, Matt, what was your interesting game this week? Yeah, so, gee, I'm going to take your other 50% and take the <laughs> Rams and Seahawks as my uh, – as game – that interests me the most. Um, obviously, it's two uh, division rivals. Seahawks are two and two. Rams are three and one. Rams are coming off a tough loss against the Cardinals, and the Seahawks are coming off a big win against the 49ers. Uh, my big concern is uh, the Seahawks. Like, although they beat the 49ers, I didn't think they played that great. I just think San Francisco struggled a little bit. Like, like, yeah, obviously, Jimmy Grapple got hurt. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. And they had to insert Trey Lance into that offense and, like, get him going right away. 
Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, looking at the stats from last game, like Russ, I mean, he was kind of efficient. Like he was 16 for 23, 149 yards, two touchdowns. But it just seemed like this, the Seahawks just couldn't get it going. And, I, yeah. and to me, the 49ers, like, I don't know what to think of them. Like, they barely beat the Lions and they barely beat the Eagles, who are not very good teams. And then when yeah. they had to play the good teams, like the Packers and Seahawks, like, they couldn't keep up. So, yeah. they obviously, they're a big question mark. But, but yeah, with the Seahawks and Rams this game, like, one's coming off a tough loss, the other's coming off a big win. Like, it'll be a good test for both teams, see who can uh, live it up. Hey, Matt, where's the game? Um, it's in Seattle. And it's uh, it's a Thursday night game. Oh, it's it's tomorrow. Okay, great. Yep. Yeah, it's tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Seattle's yeah. defense has been scratchy, which has always been a Carroll. Yeah, it's always hallmark. been a concern, right? And but it's been the last few years has has not yeah. been good. And I, I you know, I uh, I I I think they're going to be they're going to have their hands full with the Rams. Yeah, agreed. Huh. Yeah. Um, but some other notable games this week you should also look for is the uh, Browns Chargers. That should be a good one. Uh, Giants Cowboys and uh, Niners Cardinals. Um, are big a, lot of games. Good, a lot of good football this weekend. Yeah, still a lot of good football. Uh, but besides football, there's also other sports in this world. And just like Matt was celebrating, uh, let him explain the AL, uh, AL wild card race. Yes, so. So, yeah, the American League wildcard game was played yesterday between the Red Sox and Yankees in Boston, and Red Sox came out on top 6-2. to two. Wait a minute. And, uh, did, did anybody tell the Yankees there was a game yesterday? <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know if they know. I'm just saying. I watched it. I'm not sure if they knew there was a game, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. Um, anyways, yeah, yeah, Dad, I'm pretty sure we're get, this is going to be similar to our phone call yesterday, but what a game. Like, like, and I don't, and to be honest, I don't care if the Red Sox lose to the Rays this series. The fact that they beat the Yankees in the wild card game is good enough for me this year because this is a team that was rebuilding. Like, nobody thought they were going to be good this year. Like, Chris Hill came back in August. Like, they had a bunch of COVID issues going on throughout the year. And, and they had to make a trade for Kyle Schwerber to, to bring a little more depth with the bat. And, uh, and, like, they're bringing guys in like Hunter Renfro and, and Bobby Dahlbeck, who nobody really knew, but they came up big, like, throughout the year. So, so like, it was an exciting game that I watched yesterday. And, uh, and yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think the momentum shifted completely when, uh, when Giancarlo Sane just hit a rocket right off the wall with Aaron Judge on first base. And, uh now, I still don't know to this day why Phil Nevin, the third base coach for the Yankees, waved Aaron Judge home. But, uh, but the Red Sox threw him out at home, and it was 3-1 to, three to one at that point. So, had he scored, or even if he just stayed on third, like, they, they had one out and a man on second and third. And it, it would have been a lot of pressure for the pitcher to, to get out of the inning. But they got him out at home, and there was two outs now with just a guy on second. So, that just... That just relieved the pressure, all the pressure off the pitcher. But um, but I just want to bring up a point. Um, ever since uh, the whole sticky stuff situation happened, Garrett Cole, the Yankees ace, who they paid three hundred twenty-four million to, 
has had a 4.2 ERA since that that time. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, obviously it was great to see the Red Sox just just select him. Like they had two home runs off him. Xander Bogarts, Kyle Schwarber, both both hit him, and uh, and yeah, it was just an exciting game. I was at the bar surrounded by Yankees fans. I think there was only <laughs> me and one other Red Sox fan there. So it was just it was just exciting to to be in that atmosphere, being the only one celebrating. So <laughs> so yeah, we'll see what happens against the Rays. I don't like our chances too much, but it is a playoffs. Anything can happen. So we'll see. Dad, you want to say yeah, something? So, yeah, so I'd say a couple things. Um, I, I think the game did change on the the, home, the play at home. You know, dramatic. Obviously, it was a dramatic momentum play. You know, you know. I think the the third base coach Nevin for the Yankees is just catching all kinds of flack. Um, uh, one could argue that Joey Gallo was coming up next, and that's why he sent him because Joey Gallo hasn't gotten a hit in a month. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, he's so, batting uh one ninety nine. Like yeah. he batted one ninety nine for his season, which so, is pretty bad. Yeah, so you know, but that was clear. But I really think the the tone was set in the very first inning with the Xander Bogarts home run uh, to put him up two nothing. And it, and I thought what was really interesting was Cole Cole got you know he didn't throw Bogarts. Garrett Cole throws a ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine mile an hour fastball. And he tried to get him out with junk and then a changeup. Uh, he threw an 89-mile-an-hour changeup. You know, it, it, it didn't move. And, you know, and Bogarts, you know, took it out. And I just thought I, – I just think that's just bad tactically. I mean, you got one of the best fastballs in baseball. Come in in the first inning, establish your fastball. And exactly the polar opposite was Nathan Evaldi, who, who has similar type stuff, you know, 98, 99 on the gun. He came out, he threw nothing but strikes to a team that likes to take pitches, that likes to take you deep into counts. He said, you know, you're, if you don't swing, they're going to be strikes. I mean, he was throwing fastballs. He had a lot, of, a lot of first pitch strikes. And I just thought the game plan from the Red Sox was far superior to the Yankees. And I just, look, this Yankee team, just they're just not built for the playoffs. It's a nice regular season team. You could argue if they didn't have some injuries and some COVID stuff, they, they probably would have had a better record. Maybe they would have won 95, 96 games. So it's a you know, very good team. But they're not built for the playoffs. They strike out too much. They're not good base runners. Uh, the starting pitching is scratchy. And I think the third thing is, you know, Cora is, is really establishing himself as an all-time, you know, playoff manager. I mean, remember the Red Sox. Twelve and three. Yeah, he's twelve and three. The Red Sox were a last place team last year without him. You know, as you recall, he was suspended, and they were in last place. He took a team that, in Vegas, uh, beginning of the year, had an over under of somewhere around eighty games, and they won 92, 92 games. Um, so you know, way way you know, outkicked their coverage. So. You know, I think really for Red Sox fans, a really pleasant surprise. I think to Matt's point, I think Tampa's clearly a better team. Um, but, you know, the playoffs are a short series. So if the Red Sox can find a, the Red Sox can find a way to split these first couple in Tampa, get back to Boston, get the ball back in Evaldi's hands, you know, they, they could put some, you know, you know, what I'll call scoreboard pressure on, on Tampa 
you know, and, and maybe make it an interesting series. I But I think it's been a really satisfying year for the Red Sox. Uh, to, you know, sort of be rebuilding, knock out your hated rival. It's a pretty, pretty good, pretty good day to be a Red Sox fan. Yeah, absolutely. And I gotta give a shout out, obviously, to Nathan Valdi. He stepped up big time. And then I gotta give even a bigger shout out to Bullpen, who have been very skeptical this year. Like they, they came in and I don't think they gave up an earned run other than that Giancarlo home run in the ninth inning, but. But they stepped up big time, and uh, and yeah, it it'll be interesting to see how they do against Tampa. But but I'm here seeing they'll get uh, JD Martinez back, so that'll add another big batch of lineup, which I'm excited for. Yeah, um, good to see the. I mean, the Yankees lose. I'm a big Yan- Yankees fan, but uh, neither Red Sox. But well, you're an I don't Orioles really watch fan, right? Yeah, I'm an Orioles fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, you can um, say it, Ryan. You can say it. What we suck? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I think we're gonna wrap it up for tonight. Uh, Rob, thank you for joining us on, on our podcast. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It was a lot of fun. For sure, uh, always, always fun. Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for tonight. Um, I, I was happy we were talking about football and baseball. It was great. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Three Got Game. And uh, listen to our podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, you name it, we're on it. Um, But, um, yeah, that does it for tonight. Guys, have a good night, all right? Take care, guys. Take care, everybody.